The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw Dating, preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. What is up, Cowboys Nation? Welcome to another episode of Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm Jess Navarro, your host for the day, of course, joined by two incredible ladies. We have Christy Scales and Aisha Morrison over here. Ladies, we had a whole rundown ready for this show, and then just in uh, fashionable times, some breaking news hit Twitter. So, if y'all haven't heard yet, Tom Pelissero actually tweeted out uh, that the Eagles' star quarterback, Jalen Hurts, you may or may not know him, his status is in doubt for Saturday's game against the Cowboys because of a sprained throwing shoulder that he suffered in the third quarter on Sunday. So... This isn't considered to be a long-term injury, according to Tom, but as you can imagine, as the Cowboys gear up for Sunday's game against the Eagles after the loss that they uh, suffered over the weekend, which we'll get into, but this is big. This is big news, uh, of course, for the Eagles, who are the top, uh, the top team in the NFC right now. Of course, they look like they're on track to win the NFC East as well. So, ladies, initial reactions to this news, how this changes things going forward for the Eagles and, and how that's going to impact the Cowboys going into this weekend. Christy, I'll start with you and then we'll jump to Aisha. Well, Gardner Minshew, the Cowboys have faced him before, but uh, we were talking about it just before the show started and Aisha had a great point about even if Jalen Hurts plays, maybe not this Saturday, but for the, the rest of the regular season, it affects their entire offense, does yeah. it not? Yeah, I mean, when you look at how Jalen Hurts plays the game, he's not super slippery, but he's physical when he runs the ball and the RPO and the, on the things that they do um, with him being able to be mobile are a big part of their success. And with him dealing with a shoulder injury, you could expect for him to be I would expect for him to be more hesitant with taking the hits and stuff he's been taking. So moving forward, that's interesting. But in this next game, Gardner Minshew, we've seen him. Like, he can do. <laughs> Minshew magic was a little thing for a little bit. Humans, like. Oh, no, I don't like that. I don't, listen, oh, I don't no. like it. I don't like it either. But the, the Eagles, in my opinion, have put themselves in a position to where there's such a good team around him. Maybe asking for him to do minimal stuff. Just see how it changes the game plan. Sure. And so this news came out during Mike McCarthy's press conference. He was asked about how this would possibly change the Cowboys game plan going into the weekend. And he said, well, it doesn't really change much. We're going to be prepared either way, uh, essentially. But Christy, from what we've seen so far of this Eagles team, I mean, we've talked about it for weeks now that this is going to be the game of the season how could this really impact their game plan specifically? Are they going to run more? Are they going to run the ball more? Are they going to really test that Cowboys run defense this weekend? What do you think the likelihood is of that that we'll yeah, see? I, I think uh, to Aisha's point about Hertz being hesitant on that, I, I think the hesitation is in calling anything yeah. like that, you know, and, and you're not going to do the same thing. Minshew's got a bit of a different skill set in a way you can't change the offense too much but uh, the other thing is in terms of Mike McCarthy talking about being prepared to go against either of the quarterbacks we need to point out that it is a short work week mm. with a game uh, turnaround you got one less day to prepare of course so do the Eagles and so um, of course they would have known 
in the game, coming right out of the game, that there was possibility uh, with the Jalen Hurts uh, shoulder injury. But um, and of course they have to travel as well. So I, I think it's just as much of a difficulty on the Eagles staff as it is the Cowboys staff. Definitely, definitely. And so I'm just looking at some stats from Gardner Minshew uh, that I just pulled up real quick from his last three games that he's played in Philadelphia. The most recent one being against the Steelers uh, for Philadelphia this season. And it looks like he only threw the ball twice, but within that time he had 25 yards for two attempts, one of which was complete. Uh, He averages, it looks like, about 8.5 yards per pass. Uh, So far within the three games that he has played for Philly, he has 34 yards. Um, And again, we will get into this matchup as the week goes on, but uh, some breaking news there that we wanted to start the show off with because it's obviously very, very relevant to this Cowboys week <laughs> and, and, and explains why the lines sw- have, have changed so dramatically. Yeah, because you said it. You said it was one, then it was one yes. and a half. Then yeah. It was, and, and so now the Cowboys are three point favorites. Yeah. With uh, with blogging the boys, we have a Slack channel, and so I know when the Slack channel starts going off, something happens. So I'm driving over here. Give it. It's not a long drive, but my phone is blowing up. So I'm thinking, <laughs> what is going on? RJ let us know that the Cowboys were initially one point favorites. And then that jumped up to 1.5, and then it jumped up to 3. So that was before the news broke about there being a possible injury there. So he said, you know, I don't know what's going on, but this is significant. And so sure enough, the news broke, and the Slack channel was going wild. I don't even want to know how many messages uh, I have waiting here. But anyways, changing the subject now because... We're going to start with the more positive news here, ladies. The Dallas Cowboys officially clinched a playoff berth with the Commanders loss to the Giants last night. Uh, that, of course, coming off of a Thursday night loss for the Seahawks, helping the Dallas Cowboys clinch that playoff berth. This being the first time since 2006 and 2007 that they make the playoffs in two consecutive years. Just a reminder, that was Tony Romo's first two years as a starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. So, uh, a little flashback moment there, but... Of course, that was the positive part of everybody's Sunday. The not-so-fun part, well, the Cowboys came out with a loss, a final score of 40-34 to in overtime, a heartbreaking one. Uh, just a gut punch, really, of a loss for this Cowboys team who seemed to be doing everything right in the first half of this game. We'll get into that, but I wanted to jump right into this because, Christy, one of the things that uh, when we were planning out this this game plan and, and this uh, this what do you call this? This rundown for Run this sheet. beautiful Your show. Um, you talked about Trevor Lawrence specifically because he put this defense to the test. And I mean, really, well, like I said, we'll get into this in the second segment as far as the defense. But what did you notice about Trevor Lawrence in person? Because things can look very different seeing it on the TV angle and then seeing it in person. What did you notice from Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, well, from the sideline, just as a football fan in general, I was so excited about this game because I've never seen Trevor Lawrence play in person, certainly from that perspective, down on the sideline. And then talking with some of the folks, including Scott Tolzien, uh, who uh, works with Cowboys quarterbacks, what did you think of Trevor Lawrence coming out? And um, I just have to say he's the real deal. Oftentimes you get excited about seeing a player and the hype is bigger than the production. Mm. You come away feeling, ah, but then sometimes you see it and it's like Justin Herbert. It's like, Mm. oh, my gosh, 
this kid is it. And I felt that way with Trevor Lawrence and what he was doing in the second half. So just from uh, being a football fan, I was excited about that. But I think that for the Jaguars, they've got a lot of talent. They've got their franchise quarterback in place. Now they've got a good coaching staff and a good direction. And coming off their win at Tennessee the previous week and the way that they came back, the dramatic win, the fantastic finish, I think that four, five, six years from now, the observers of Jacksonville are going to look back at this game and say, that was it. That's when this team really started ascending and started to make their mark to where they can be a true contender in the AFC. So it reminded me of the early 90s Cowboys just with the young talent and having the franchise guy in place and the pieces in place. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win three out of four Super Bowls, but I'm saying that it, was, uh, it wasn't from, from a Cowboys perspective of the way that they were um, – what they were doing with their game plan and a lot of misdirection, all their running yards. But Trevor Lawrence, everyone's like, oh, what happened with the pass rush? What's happened with the pass rush? They had him dead to rights a couple times, and he escaped. Yeah. So, yeah. so he, he's the real deal with his arm and then uh, enough escape capability with his legs now you made a great point about uh, his escapability and I think he got away from like three or four sacks yesterday and not only did he get away from the sacks he made plays and the last one he got away from and he was on the run but obviously the fumble happened but uh, you got saved there with the like obviously with the fumble because he looked like he was about to get a first down there and um, I was just impressed with just their game plan man like uh, coming out in the first half, I, I remember from the first time they scored, even though the Cowboys were up 14-7, to I was like, oh, no. I remember just sitting there and just seeing how they schematically were deciding to go at the Cowboys, and it was just – it was um, – it took some time for the Cowboys to settle in, but I actually was really impressed with the Jaguars' second-half adjustments. Yeah. Because even though on offense they were able to get some things going towards, you know, somewhere in the second, I was – they still – the defense still was, you know, locking down on what they were doing, and the Cowboys' offense was moving the ball well. Man, the Jags – came out in the second half, their coaching staff that you talked about, they came out, they adjusted, and some of the stuff that they were trying earlier in the game, it started working. Yep. It started yeah. breaking. They threw a lot of, like, they were just doing so much with picks and just getting their guys open yes. and just favor. It was just favorable game planning for their offense to have success. And once it happened, uh, it was just a momentum thing, and it, it swung oh, yeah. away. Yeah, it was real physical with the secondary. And by that, um, with the you mentioned the picks and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a, when you're on offense, they're not picks, they're rubs. Picks are illegal, yeah. but yeah. rubs. But, but the way that they were able, you know, with their receivers to create separation yes. and get open. Yep. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, Michael Gallup, you know, the way the way that the defensive backs for the Jaguars were locking down and there was a lot of I'm not saying illegal, not penalties, but it was very physical sure. and guys getting bumped off routes and mm -hmm. things like that. And so a lot of it is determined by the way an officiating crew was going to call a game. I, I thought it was well officiated, but, yeah. but the point is it was it was very physical between the um 
uh, DBs and the receivers and tight ends and linebackers. And you know what I think is interesting, too, is Doug Peterson had talked to the media post-Tennessee victory, and he had said, the thing that impresses me most about this team is their ability to bounce back. And he spoke true to his word during this game. I mean, that first-half team looked completely different than the second-half team. And I think that's what threw this Cowboys team for a loop, is they're usually a second-half comeback team. We've seen time and time again that this Cowboys team will come back. They will win in that second half. And just wasn't the case this time. Something else, too, uh, that Doug Peterson had mentioned was that Trevor Lawrence was starting to um, get better communication and understand what their game plan is. And so I think that really showed. I think Trevor Lawrence played an incredible game, to your point earlier, um, about that. But something that I think goes into December football um, every year, and it's unfortunate that it's a part of the game, but injuries. We continue to see injuries reoccurring and it's that part of the time guys are banged up guys have been doing this for weeks now their bodies just putting it on the line every single week that they go out there so Christy there was a laundry list of injuries um that you know we saw from the tv standpoint that you saw while you were there um and so I wanted to get a little bit more of an update on that starting with Leighton Vander Esch we did hear some positive news from him today and Mike McCarthy saying that he will not be available this week but what did you see from Leighton and what's the most recent update that we have on him. Yes, well, the the good news is Mike McCarthy said about an hour ago was, um, as you mentioned, Jess, that he'll miss this upcoming game against Philadelphia, but the fact that he would still be available for later in the season is great because a neck injury for a player that with his history yes. of neck yeah. issues and already having surgery, I, I did fear the the worst in terms of his availability for the rest of the year but what happened was it was the fifth play of uh for the Cowboys defense so uh the first defensive series the fifth play and it's the run by ETN where he gets down the right sideline and Evan Ingram the tight end it's out in space and he engages Leighton Vander Esch with a block nothing particularly vicious about it totally legal but as he makes contact uh Leighton just kind of went down and when when he got up he was kind of slow to get up and Mm -hmm. he came under his own power to the sideline but the way he was kind of holding himself I'm like ooh, maybe shoulder stinger or neck stinger Mm -hmm. but when Dr. Cooper's not right on the sideline checking him for a stinger um, when they take him directly to the blue tent it's like uh uh-oh and then he was in the blue tent for several minutes and uh, meanwhile, the security and some of the medical people, when they're on the walkie-talkies, it's mean, it means, uh-oh, they might be calling for a cart. Mm-hmm. So then I'm fearing for the, the worst. The, uh, but um, he was able to walk under his own power to the locker room, but he never came back out on the sideline or, or anything like that. But uh, I was heartened today when Mike McCarthy said that it, you know, he'll miss one game for sure. But... Um, it, mainly just because of the history of, of his neck injuries. And then Damone Clark uh, stepped in and played uh, the majority of the game for Leighton Vander Esch. But really what's happening is the secondary, you know, with mm. the, the injuries to the secondary. Uh, let's see, Donovan Wilson yep. with a calf injury missed uh, some of the uh, fourth quarter. and mm-hmm. uh, Dorrance player Armstrong. Two. Dorrance Armstrong got good news today yep. from Dorrance Armstrong. Mike McCarthy said and that he Dono. checked out well. Yeah, and, and good news with Dono that they should be um, hopefully available this week and then at the end of the game uh, I'm not sure in the overtime Mm -hmm. the uh, I believe it was the third play we had a three-way crash between Anthony Barr, J. Ron Kearse and Nation Wright. It was 
It was. And we need, we'll talk more about Nashon as we go along. But there was a line at the Blue Medical Tent. Curse was in there with the oh. doctors and Nashon Wright is standing outside. I thought it was at Baskin Robbins where you used to have oh, to take no. a ticket and wait for your turn. That's oh, what it was no. like, you know. But uh, but Nashon and uh, J. Ron uh, checked out okay today. So hopefully they'll be able to practice. And again, uh, it's a short week. And so one less day for your body to recuperate. And something, too, that we had we had talked about before the show was, you know, they were in the medical tent. Both J. Ron and Nashon Wright were uh, there. That rhymed. It just hit me that that <laughs> rhymes. Um, and, you know, we obviously saw Calvin Joseph um, in, in that play, too, but um, not for injury. Right. That's that's what you yeah. were telling me earlier, that uh, yeah. Calvin yeah. Joseph was on the sideline. But not for injuries. No, so he, can you he, go got into a bit? he got pulled. Yeah. Yeah. He, he got pulled. Yeah, he got benched. Uh, so Nashon Wright played the end of the fourth quarter in overtime at cornerback in place of Kelvin Joseph, who gave up a couple touchdowns, missed a couple tackles, and actually um, late in the second quarter there was a missed tackle. Uh, uh, Bland and uh, Kelvin Joseph were going for uh, Evan Ingram. The tight end for the Jaguars who got past them down the right sideline and then uh, was tackled. But uh, Kelvin got pulled for one play in favor of Nashon after that and then uh, went back in. But by the end of the fourth quarter was pulled. So I know it's not injury related because he was still playing special teams mm. and he would not have been he, including kicking off uh, kickoff coverage for overtime. So it absolutely was not injury related. It was a coach's decision to put right in in place of Joseph at cornerback. That's clear. They're still trying to figure out who's going to be the best guy there, especially with them pulling Kelvin Joseph. I know the initial thoughts were to try, obviously, for him to try at that spot, but it seems like they're they're trying to figure out who's going to be, again, the best guy. But it's a trickle-down effect because even in this game, we talked about how quickly Trevor Lawrence was getting the ball out, but then also just the way that they were scheming things and the lack of pressure from up front. I mean, it just killed your young secondary, and they were just trying to cover as long as they could, but there's only so much they can do. So I just think overall it's it was a trickle-down effect to your linebackers too. Um, Leighton Van Der Esch went out in that game, and you, yeah. Doug was like, let's go there. Mm-hmm. Let's go there. It's a big and they, oh, he really went there. And, and the communica- went there. communication as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a big, big factor because Leighton is important. He's super. communication, yeah. and and that's nothing against Damone Clark no, at no. all. But he's a rookie, and so you know, just doesn't have the experience. Yeah. Well, and yeah. this is a great segue because we have to take our first break. So we have plenty more to talk about in deep dive into this Cowboys defense. We're going to talk all things defense, and uh, later on, we're even going to take a look in the offense. But make sure to stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. All right, Pepsi-loving football fans, it's time we had a lesson in trash talk. And I'm not talking about that stuff that happens on the field. What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open. (sighs) 
Know the difference, make a difference. Be a team player and recycle. Visit PepsiTrashTalk.com to learn more. I'm Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And they snap it to Prescott, who looks right. It's not there. He escapes left. He'll run for a first down. Just like football, when it comes to crypto, it's important to have a team you can trust. With Blockchain.com, I know I'm in good hands. Since 2011, they've been trusted by millions around the world to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrency. Prescott's going to run this himself. Run it up the middle, and he scores. Whether you're new to crypto or an active trader, they've got you covered. What are you waiting for? Get started at Blockchain.com. Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We're talking all things Cowboys defense, but first, let's talk holiday camps, because tis the season for Dallas Cowboys holiday youth camps, presented by Invisalign. Registration for one-day football and dance camp and dance academy camps are now open. Don't miss your chance to send your little athlete to camp at AT&T Stadium on December 20th and 21st. Limited spaces still remain, so you can still register today at DallasCowboys.com slash Academy and you go, you might see a familiar yeah. face there. <laughs> yeah, I love hosting that. And so the end of the day, we replicate the game day experience. So the DCC Dance Academy campers, they're down on the field performing in between the quarters, halftime show, pregame, postgame show. And then I do a little play-by-play of, of the actual game itself. Cute. But anyway, afterwards, the guests, whether it's parents or grandparents, family, friends of the campers, get to come down uh, on the field. And so it's great for photo ops but if you're coming the next two days at uh, AT&T Stadium be sure and come down on the field and say hi because I'd love to meet everybody yes that's amazing and Christy always a joy to be around so make sure to go say hi to Christy if you see her but oh ladies this is just the kind of show that I I love doing this every day and I know y'all love doing this but man Really rooting for a victory Monday. It's, it's, a, it's fine. It's all good. Let's it's all talk good. About it. It, let's talk about it. You're right. Because this is the most points. Again, uh, the Cowboys 40 to 34 in overtime. That's the most amount of points that this Cowboys defense have allowed this season. So I was just curious, scratching my brain, what was the last time? What was the previous record? Well, that was their loss. Again, another overtime loss in Green Bay, 28 to 31. And so... Green Bay was the last time that the defense really have allowed that amount of scoring. However, last time we saw that, too, um, I I did do some comparison to the Green Bay game and this game. And it was the second quarter, believe it or not, that ended up putting the nail in the coffin for both of these games because that was really solidified. Um, You know, I think the Cowboys played great the first half of this game. It's just uh, the adjusting that was lacking, I think. But let's talk about it because Jacksonville, and this is a big thing we talk about on this podcast all the time, is third down conversions. This was another area of emphasis for this Cowboys defense earlier in the season that we had talked about, too. Jackson's uh, Jacksonville's third down conversions, 8 of 10 on Sunday Yikes. Big yikes. Um, something we're, we're going to get into as well as the pass, pass rush. Um, a lot of things to deep, deep dive into that. Oh, my goodness. I cannot talk today. Um, but we were all just talking before the break about something Mike McCarthy said during his press conference about the defense not being able to make big 
plays. And that was very apparent with this. I even wrote down, um, you know, at one point the Cowboys had their 17 point lead and then the defense um, allowed three drives straight of Jags to score, that being the Jags' eighth drive, ninth drive, and tenth drive, and that was just killer uh, to really watch. But let's start with the pass rush, ladies. Was this Jacksonville team a test for this pass rush, and what? why were we seeing such a lack of it? Was it missing Jonathan Hankins? Was it missing LVE? What do you feel like really was – the issue here with the pass rush during this game, Aisha? I mean, well, we've kind of seen this the last couple of weeks, though, as far as the pass rush, um, it not being there consistently or just even in the, the way that it's been this last couple of, well, this for the majority of the season. Um, part of it, the players have talked about, you know, they're getting the ball out and everything, but there's just, I mean, Trevor Lawrence just had a lot of time back there. Granted, I understand that it's difficult to blitz and dial up blitz because, you're, you have young guys that are compromised on the back end now, so that kind of changes what you're going to do play calling-wise. But as far as the defensive line, I I wholeheartedly do think you miss Hankins. You definitely miss Hankins in, in the run defense, but you also miss him because he just takes up space and, mm-hmm. and opens up the opportunity for you to be able to rush the passer, which brings me to my last point. They weren't in a lot of situations where they were able to tee off or you know go after the quarterback on a third or what a third and long because listen to what you just said they were eight of 12 on third down which means they were in favorable situations often so it's it it also is you got to put yourself in position to do those things and they just could not get stops except for in the I ain't gonna say nothing like in the OT they, they definitely got the stop they needed but they could not get stops when it mattered the most, and that's the most disappointing because you got guys on this defensive line that you expect to do that. And, mm-hmm. of course, you're talking about a Cowboys defense that was leading the NFL in sacks. Pressures. And, and pressures. Thank you. Both. And you have only seen one sack from this Cowboys defense in the last two weeks, that being from Micah Parsons. On Sunday, Christy, what do you chalk that up to? Why has there been such a drop-off with the amount of productivity with sacks within this Cowboys defense? Do you think, again, it goes back to what Aisha just said, or is there anything that you're noticing, especially from that sideline standpoint? Well, it's a great point Aisha makes about the down and distance and favorable uh, not being able to tee off. But look, they allowed 7.1 yards per rush there yesterday. The misdirection, not having <laughs> containment. And so when you when you give up that with the run, mm-hmm. it allows Jacksonville to do a play-action pass. What is a play-action pass? It's when the quarterback fakes a handoff and then throws the ball. Now, when you fake that handoff, there's just that Slight bit of hesitation among the defenders. Does the running back have the ball or not? And then the linebackers in terms of dropping back, you know, into into coverage. So um, when you can effectively run the ball, that is a quarterback's best friend. Uh, We mentioned Trevor Lawrence being able to get away a, a few times, you know. So what was really disappointing to me was late in the game, Uh, late in the fourth quarter, not being able to get the pressure you wanted because they lost their uh, left tackle to injury. And he wasn't in for those final uh, series. So, and, and at one point in the second half, they were without their right tackle. Now he did, he did return to the game, but um, you know, that, 
that would have been the opportune time to to get to Lawrence. But but credit credit the Jaguars. You know they uh, Lawrence got away when he needed to. Uh, the, he got rid of the ball quickly, and they were able to effectively use the play action. They got to tackle better too. Sorry, yeah, I didn't mean yeah. To yeah. Well, that's that's one thing with like with Kelvin Joseph. It's not just coverage. I mean, it's it's there were some yeah. there were missed tackles. There was a lot of yards after contact. Yeah, yes. a lot leaky yardage. It was a yeah. lot of leaky yardage mm-hmm. this game, and you hadn't really seen that. But also, I, I kind of play that into Donovan Wilson being up and down or not because yes. he t- he is a Band-Aid in that box. He yeah. he literally cleans up so much of the missed tackles or things like that. And so you missed him um, in that box and being physical at certain points when he was yep. going in and out and trying to get himself together to come back in the game. And the tackling, you missed Leighton Vanderesh. His tackling yeah, has been did. phenomenal this season. And so you really what, – what's – Funny to me is you go back to the headlines from, you know, before the season starts and even go back to Layton's productivity last season. And he's somebody that quickly this season has made an impact. And it's it wasn't known for a little bit. Uh, a lot of people wanted to count Layton out. But I really think he has this newfound confidence that I want to say we haven't ever seen him play with until this season, that he is just so confident in what he's doing. He knows where he needs to be. He's not there trying to make big plays. He's just there to make his stop. Mm. And the physicality that he's been playing with, I mean, I was telling Aisha earlier before this podcast started, I told her I was so sad last night hearing about Leighton Vanderesh's possible injury because – you know, he's a guy that is on a contract here. He has something to prove. He's only on a one-year deal here. And he has absolutely proven everything he's needed to up until this point of the season. He has made such a difference. And I think a lot of the lack of defensive performance showed in his absence. Yeah, I, I mean, really, You're right, because he's, like you said, Christy, he's the communicator. And his diagnosis is, he diagnoses well. Like, yeah. And so you, you didn't get that. You didn't have that yesterday. And that was, it was it was hurtful not yeah. having him out there kind of quarterbacking. I'm hoping that if he doesn't play, can he have a headset on? You also want to. Can he do something? You know, because yeah. you need, he's the veteran there. Like, yeah. I mean, A.B.'s a veteran, but to this team, to this scheme, yeah. He's the veteran, so and he knows. I even go back to, I remember in training camp, he did an interview um, back in Oxnard, and somebody asked him, you know, when did you know about Dan Quinn being your guy and, and the guy that's going to be able to coach you well and um, coach you up? And, and he said, immediately, right off the bat when I knew him. And I've, for some reason, that interview has been stuck in my head ever since, and you can see it. You can see that Layton has been so bought into this Cowboys defensive scheme under Dan Quinn, and it shows. But you want to talk about hurtful. Total yards from Jacksonville this game, 503 yards. Um, Ouch. Passing yards, 311. Rushing yards, 192. Ladies, eek. These are not stats you want to see. And so, you know, something else we talk about, um, time of possession, which is interesting in this game because the Cowboys had it 35 minutes and 24 seconds, but the Jags had it for 27 minutes and 42 seconds. Yeah, well, the, it goes to the big place, yep. okay? There you and go. so they were they were getting chunks, chunk mm. yardage, all right? Mm. And so 
what Mike McCarthy talked about in the press conference that normally 32 big plays in a game, that would be both teams combined, and there being 42 yesterday, that's a significant difference. That's 33% more. Very significant. And the Cowboys were minus three in big plays. So, And the biggest play of all at the end with the interception returned for a touchdown being on the wrong end of that. So, um, yeah, kudos to the Jaguars. But what they were doing with that misdirection and then when if you're not containing on the end and they get around you to the perimeter, there was there were way too many – plays where they're running down the sideline yeah. and yeah. making those chunks, yeah. chunk yardage. And, you know, I like to always talk about when you felt the turning point of the game, hindsight being twenty twenty. of course. For me, when I went back and I went through my notes, I watched the game again, it was on the Jags' 10th drive. It was that touchdown pass for 59 yards to Zay Jones on third and goal. Or third down, third down. And that, to me... That's your big play. That's your splash maker. That's your momentum killer. And again, that was on that was the third consecutive drive that the Jags had the ball that they were allowed to score. I mean, you even go back, let's see, on their eighth drive, they scored. Let's see, I'm looking. They scored there. They scored on their ninth drive. They scored. They just kept going. They just kept putting points on the board. This Cowboys defense couldn't stop them, whether they were rushing or passing yeah, or on, running. On, <laughs> on that drive with the Zay Jones touchdown, where they went ahead, where they went up 31 to 27, uh, ETN had a 15 yard run. And then there was that wheel route to Christian Kirk down the sideline, which was a great call and a great play uh, by then, and then uh, ultimately the, the they, touchdown to Jones. They and literally used their play against you. Yeah, they did. No disrespect. Like I, I literally was watching like, dang, go ahead. Go, sorry, go no, ahead. No, I'm just – when before we transition to the offense and before we take this next break, something I wanted to point out here. You look at the, the Jags receiving yards from yesterday. Let's see, Zay Jones had 109 yards. He was averaging 18.2 yards there. Uh, Christian Kirk had 92 yards. He was averaging 15.3 yards. Evan Ingram, he was one that we had talked about earlier in the week, 62 yards, averaging 7.8 yards. And the list goes on and on. Now, when we compare this to what the Cowboys' offensive productivity looked like with the wide receiver core, and we'll get into that, it looks very different. And so, with that being said, ladies and gents, we're going to take our next break. Uh, We're talking all about the Cowboys' offense, specifically where the heck, and I'm quoting Chrissy here, where the heck was Michael Gallup and James Washington during this game? We'll get into that and more. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We'll be right back. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. All right, Pepsi-loving football fans, it's time we had a lesson in trash talk. And I'm not talking about that stuff that happens on the field. What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open. (sighs) 
Know the difference? Make a difference. Be a team player and recycle. Visit PepsiTrashTalk.com to learn more. It's Smoothie King's original angel food and new angel food slim without added sugar. You no longer have to choose between treating yourself and hitting your goals this summer. You don't have to choose between great taste and feeling great. Because at Smoothie King, every blend is made with whole fruits and no syrups. So you can satisfy your cravings without compromise. The only choice you will need to make is which one is best for you. Try our classic angel food or the new angel food slim, blended without added sugar. Smoothie King, rule the day. Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We are taking a look at this offensive performance by the Dallas Cowboys. But first, let's talk about the Bob Lilly Award because it represents the Dallas Cowboys player that showcases the highest level of achievement, sportsmanship, dedication, and leadership. Cast your vote for the 2022 Bob Lilly Award. There is no limit to the number of votes you can vote, and voting will close on December 21st. For more information on that, visit DallasCowboys.com slash Bob Lilly Award. All right. We are moving on to all things Cowboys offense. And I wanted to make sure to time the show just right so that way we can have enough time to to vent. Ladies, it's like a therapy session today. We're going to vent because we have to move on from this. (laughs) And that goes for all of y'all on Cowboys Twitter. We got to move on. Eventually, look. Cowboys are heading to the playoffs. They have a very big game this weekend. So this is our last vent session. I wanted to give us time for that. But, um, you know, going into the offensive performance, we were just talking about the offensive performance for the Jags and how different their numbers looked compared to the Cowboys. And to no surprise, that's why they came out uh, successful. So let's go over some stats. The Cowboys had 397 total yards, 243 of which was passing, 154 of which was rushing. They were 9 of 16 on third down efficiency. We talked about the time of possession, but interestingly enough, their 35 minutes and 26 seconds time of possession, that was the second highest time of possession so far this season. Um So we saw a different team in the first half compared to what we saw on the second half. Now, a big topic of conversation, Dax interceptions. Let's just start with it. Um, Let's chat about it. Because what I like, what I really pride ourselves on the show is, is that we look into this and we see why why things happen like they did. I know Aisha and I were on the phone earlier and she was deep diving into what happened. What happened on those interceptions, specifically um, around Dak, and and what did it look like when you went back to watch the tape? Well, I want to answer, but I, I do want to know, Christy, being on the sideline, were you close enough to see the interception? And like, oh yeah, it, I, I want to hear just, her. I want to hear her first. If well, that's okay. the the yeah. first the first one, the first one, the <laughs> Dalton Schultz one, he just airmailed it. It was just too high. You know, he's trying to escape. He's coming up the pocket. Did and Schultz was there, and, and it was an overthrow. Yeah. You know, and and uh, you can say, well, the decision he he shouldn't have he shouldn't have thrown it. He should have tucked it and run. But it the play was there. He just missed it. Yeah. It and was the, there. and then then the last play, it hit Noel Brown in the hands. Yeah. yeah. 
Now, did Noah Brown have a clear view of it? You know, sometimes the ball's like right on you uh, and, you know, it's coming between helmets or, you know, sometimes you don't have a clear view of the ball coming out of Dak's, out of the quarterback's hands. But I know that it counts against Dak and everyone's ragging on Dak, but I'm, I'm sorry, the ball was right there for Noah Brown to make the catch. Yep. And it bounced off him and into the the hands of the safety and return for a touchdown. So, And, and also, too, that the play, play design with Noah Brown, that was a rub. Like, it was a rub. It was a rub. It was, and, it, and that was a rub that actually it worked for the Cowboys offense instead of against the Cowboys defense, yeah. you know. And, and yep. uh, the play was there. Yeah, it was there. But in regard to the one – I, I, everyone can ask, like, should have Dak even threw the interception when you're that close to your end zone or whatever the case may be. But uh, if looking back at the game, though, the right tackle had uh, given up pressure there, and he did have a guy like grabbing his back, like literally grabbing his yes. back. I, that definitely affected that, yeah, the that's, play. Yeah, that's where. Yeah, he, yeah, and that affected that, the play. That's the decision you, part. But, but you got to be more cognizant. Mm-hmm. I, I guess we're asking for Dak to be more cognizant of where he is in the game and what's going on in the game. Um, and so, obviously, that's why that's what happens yeah. sometimes when those things happen. Yeah, and, and it'll be great. It, it's it's a that particular play is a negative. Uh, you know, that's how the yeah. coaches do it: positive plays and negative plays, and that's that's going to be graded as a negative one in terms of decision making. And something that I really can respect about this Cowboys team is the amount of accountability within this locker room. Because, um, you know, I saw a tweet saying that I believe it was Bobby Belt that tweeted it out that uh, Noah didn't want to talk to media after the game. But he did go to his Instagram story and he said that that's on me. No other way to spin it. My chin still up. My chest is still out. I can appreciate that from Noah Brown. Yeah. Taking he, the but, accountability. But he should have talked afterwards. He, he should He was asked twice and he, and didn't. he didn't want so, to. So, yes, good for going on social media and addressing it. But but you should have addressed it. Right after after the game, in my opinion. I love Noah Brown. And I think see, he's great. He was our first guest this year yeah. on Cowboys Hour. Love Noah Brown. He would have gotten the game ball if they had won the game. I was about to say, he had a fantastic really game. He really did. And, you know, I, I had tweeted out, too, that this game, when the first half, uh, when I was watching him, it really was solidified for me, seeing him all season, just the amount of growth he's had mm-hmm. since his rookie year. I mean, you're talking about a guy that waited his turn Waited his turn, waited until his number was called. Unfortunately, though, that what he is going to be remembered for in, the, in this game was not his best moments. Um, it was it was that last play. But something I did want to mention, because I also talked about this last week, was how we talk about this every week, but how important it is to establish the run game within these games. And I think the Cowboys did a pretty dang good job of that. The first half of this game, I mean, I'm going through these notes here. The Cowboys' second drive, to nobody's surprise, Tony Pollard run, Tony Pollard run, Tony Pollard run, Zeke run, Zeke run. Guess what they get? A touchdown. You go back. Uh, Cowboys' third drive, let's see. Uh, Tony Pollard run, Tony Pollard run, pass, pass, run, run, run. Guess what they get? Another touchdown. To me, I think when you look at the grand scheme of this game, it's almost interesting to realize that the run game does matter it absolutely matters to establish early which they did but when at one at what point is it decided that hey we're not going to run the ball anymore even though it's working I think that to me is the most frustrating thing is you see the run game is being established Tony Pollard was having himself a day yesterday um I mean man you're going I'm going through these rushing yards he had 75 yards for 19 carries he was averaging 3.9 yards per carry which 
that's pretty low for Tony Pollard, but given he didn't really have the ball to run the second half, same with Zeke, uh, 58 yards for 16 carries, averaging 3.6 yards a carry, one touchdown, of course, for Zeke, um, one rushing touchdown. And then Dak, actually, uh, he ran the ball five times for 20 yards. Dak was averaging 4.4 yards a carry, which was more than both of uh, his running backs, which is interesting there. But with that, um, you know, the run game's great. The pass game, of course, makes, I think, everybody nervous, justifiably so at the moment. But we were talking about earlier, looking at the Jags' receiving course stats. I'm just going to read you some from the Cowboys' side of things. CeeDee Lamb had 126 yards for seven receptions. He was averaging 18 yards there. Noah Brown, 49 yards for six receptions, averaging 8.2 yards. Tony Pollard, 31 yards for four receptions, 7.8 yards. Peyton Hendershot, uh, 20 yards for that one reception that was his touchdown reception there. Dalton Schultz, 15 yards for two touches. Zeke, 13 yards for two touches. Michael Gallup, two yards in one reception. My concern is... Where where was Michael Gallup? James Washington not even on this list. You're talking about T.Y. Hilton, how he's going to fit into this offensive scheme. You got to use him. If uh, if he's going to come in here, you have to use him. So, ladies, what did you notice on that? Aisha, I'll go to you. Why do you think there was a lack of using these players as much as they usually do? Because we usually don't see them with that low of yardage. Well, I wanted to touch on the run game part before because I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand. Um it, I think in in the second half, the Cowboys had 17 runs for 36 yards. And so whereas they were trying to run the ball, it wasn't effective. Part of the reason why it wasn't effective is that they didn't take your passing. They took your passing game seriously, but when Michael Gallup is basically like a non-factor, it is so much more easy for them to key in on the run and help out in the run and to be involved in the run. And so I also, too, personally, I feel like the way that Kellen runs this offense and the way that these guys play, I don't know how much that favors a guy like Michael Gallup that's coming back from an ACL injury. Now, when you saw him doing the quick slants and the quick passes and stuff like that, you see success there. The 50-50 balls in the end zone, you see success there. But running deep, you know, deep corners and doing all this stuff is just not personally curls and stuff like that is suited for him right now to have success because he's never he's not a player that's going to get a lot of separation they're going to have to figure out how to do some of that Jacksonville stuff and scheme these guys open so they can have opportunities because it's putting a lot of pressure on your receivers to perform and outperform the men in front of them and it also puts a lot of professional a lot of pressure on your quarterback who leads the league and Throwing into tight windows. It's not for a reason. These why that's why you have tip balls. Mm-hmm. That's why there's defenders mm-hmm. in this in the vicinity to get these interceptions. It's partially just because of how the things are schematically. And so I'm hoping that they take the time like they did in previous weeks to get mm-hmm. Michael Gallup involved because it takes two it's CeeDee Lamb's getting triple double teamed. Noah Brown is became the go-to guy because yeah. because Michael Gallup wasn't really involved and that it's just limiting. Also want to see TP more in a receiving role. Like yeah. we've seen it. We've seen it and it, they just went away from it as you said. It got to I feel like they have to reevaluate what they are right now and adjust to what they do well offensively right now just like they did when Cooper Rush came in. Simplify, make it easier for these guys, make it easier on yourself. 
and execute and, and go execute because yes go yeah. execute at a high level because part of its execution as well because like we said that play was there with noah brown yeah execute well, here's the thing. Uh, I love what you said in the second half about the troubles with the run game and yeah. the, the numbers being down. Look, it was negative plays, yes. all right? Negative plays, even in the overtime when that first down play where you're losing second yardage, they, they wouldn't have had to throw on third down. Right. Or, yeah. I mean, of course, they could have run and made them do the, the timeout. So perfectly reasonable to, to question the play calling there. But the reason you were in that situation is you had a negative play on first down. Say that. Yeah. So here's yeah. the thing. Um, uh, Michael Gallup was targeted twice. Mm -hmm. James Washington targeted zero times. So I would like for you ladies to guess how many times there were 75 offensive plays in the game, including overtime. How many plays was Michael Gallup on the field out of 75? How many plays was Michael Gallup on the field? Stop. I don't even – is this going to upset me? 68. Oh. He was on the field he, 91 – over 90% of the plays. He was targeted twice. It so upset here's, me. So here's the thing. <laughs> he's they were, he, was, he was doing most of the deep stuff, you yeah. know. And we talked about the physical part and getting bumped off and, and things like that. But here's the thing. James Washington, he was only on the field for – uh, four plays on offense, and we mentioned last week about his willingness to play special teams and stuff. He was only on the field for six plays of special teams. Hmm. So looking ahead to <laughs> this coming week, if T.Y. Hilton's ready to go, and I think he will be, unless there's some kind of setback in practice yeah. this week. Sure. You know, not going to have T.Y. Hilton on special teams, but if James is him. only doing six, then, yeah. you know, I, I expect T.Y. Hilton. You missed Ferg, too. Yeah, and you, did. you really did. Not Great you didn't. You didn't have your four tight ends that you've, you've used a lot set. of that yep. the previous what five to six weeks yep. of having that. Yeah, you did. Kellen seems more comfortable with the twelve and thirteen and just having those extra and also too just having those extra blockers out yep. there for your young offensive yeah. lineman. Yeah. It was a lot of things. We didn't even talk about Tyler at right tackle, but we didn't. I thought he was steady. Yeah, Tyron there. Uh -huh. yeah, I was impressed. He, he, yep. man, I can't believe how much Tyron Smith played. I the mean, nerve that was of him is uh, mean, fantastic. And Mike so. McCarthy yeah. said that he played fifty-five percent of the snaps, more than what they expected. He played more than what they expected, but just. For him to have that versatility yeah, he, and come in like that, we, it's just crazy. Yeah. He actually played uh, seventy-two percent of the snaps, oh, my and God. that was so, so. So he played fifty-four <laughs> snaps, and so that's seventy-two oh. percent. And then uh, Jason Peters, uh, when he filled in, uh, Peters ended up with twenty-one snaps. So there you go, seventy-two uh, percent for uh, Tyron and twenty-eight percent for Peters. Well, and again, it goes back to Tyron's physicality. Oh my goodness, this man is—he's uh, not human, guys. He's, I don't, he's really not. He, he is. He just, is like a. Cyborg. On he really is. Y'all want to know a great? Oh, we're out of time. We but are. I will tell you, there's a great story about Tyron Smith. You know what he's really? He's, he's usually the biggest guy in the room. You know what he's really into? Seriously, what? Electronic dance music. So I like, love yeah, that. like going to all these festivals I and stuff. That. So, Not and Terry Crews vibes. I'm gonna have to. I'm no, gonna I'm have serious. to. Yeah. I don't know. I'm be like. I'm gonna tell him. Be like, Christy yeah, told but, me a but secret. He, he, he can make his own space on the dance floor. Right? Oh, yeah. all right, all right. Well, on that note, ladies, I, I wanted to ask it. you one more thing. Something positive that you saw from the game. Of course, we're out of time. We're we've been out of time. But something positive you saw from the game. Barnacles. Uh. <laughs> Hey, listen, Deron Bland is, is anything a, but is Bland. A, he's a. I told you uh, not to say it. You I set her up. I blame you, it. Aisha. You set her up. Dang. That's just your fault. 
I mean, it was so, so much. There's a reason I wore red today. It's spicy. It got to like a point. Bland. Well, it got to a point, uh, <laughs> ladies, that they they decided to go start throwing the ball away from him, or yep. they were just trying to put Christian Kirk in favorable positions yeah. where he wasn't next to him. So super impressive from him seeing him emerge as that cor- that nickel corner. Deron Bland, what was who was your or what was your positive out of the game? Well, here's the thing. I'll just tell you what happened on the charter last night as we landed and we're taxiing sure. there, and the announcement comes on when the coach comes on and and he says wheel down. Wheels down onto Philadelphia. Oh, I love that. So it's not even a 24 hour rule after last night because you've got a short week. So it was, you know, they did all the review. The coaches did all the review on the plane and stuff like that. Go over it today and on to Philadelphia. I love that. I think my my positive is CeeDee Lamb being absolutely disruptive yesterday. And so with that. Ladies, thank you so much for talking all things Dallas Cowboys with us today. Uh, we will be back tomorrow for another episode of Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk tomorrow. Bye. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!